Welcome to the Sandy Springs United Methodist Church Podcast, where we bring you weekly sermons that uplift your soul, strengthen your spirit, and praise the Lord. Whatever your reason for listening, we're grateful for you spending your time with us. May God open your heart to love and your ears to hear. Please remain standing for the reading of the gospel from Matthew chapter 3. Listen for the word of God. Our ears are open. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. God. You may be seated. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. This week I had the great joy of preaching at an all-school worship service at Holy Innocence Episcopal School right up the road. I was honored to be invited that they included a Methodist among their ranks and a newcomer to town to come into their community. Uh, Each week the church has chapel divided up by age, but twice a year to kick off the school year in August and then to kick off the new year in January, they all come together as a school to start this new season with worship, reflecting on scripture, preaching, music, Eucharist, with wine. That always throws me off a little bit when I'm not in a Methodist church. Um, But it was a wonderful way um, for them to start it off together, and I was really grateful to be a part of it. I was excited um, ever since I got the invitation in the fall. But y'all, I confess to you, I was also mildly terrified. There are 1,500 students in the school. Uh, The rector of the church said that this is the largest based parish school uh, in the United States, in the Episcopal Church. So 1,500 students, and they range from age kindergarten all the way up through seniors in high school. So we were gathered in the gym. That's the biggest space where they could fit. And not only were there 1,500 students, but the faculty and staff were there. There were some members from the church. The school board was present. I was terrified. (laughs) Uh, Sam, my three-year-old, loves the cartoon Daniel Tiger. I don't know if anyone's seen it. It's a spinoff of Mr. Rogers, but it helps young children navigate their emotional lives, usually through songs. And one of the songs is, It's Okay to Feel Two Feelings at the Same Time. So that kept running through my head. Um, that morning as I was excited and terrified. Um, Daniel Tiger also helps adults navigate our emotional lives really well. (laughs) Of course, right, I preach regularly. I stand up in front of crowds, but trying to craft a message that might speak some word of God to six-year-olds, 12-year-olds, 18-year-olds was a challenge, and in a context that I didn't know I hadn't been part of before. Uh, Of course, everyone was wonderfully gracious and welcoming, and it went well. I'm in awe of those of you who work with young people regularly. It is God's work. 
to have 1,500 students surrounding me, looking at me down on that gym floor was a humbling experience. And though I didn't know the students, except for Nora and Graydon Fotopoulos, so that was lovely, I got to see Nora as I came in in a familiar face. Uh, but those students' faces have stayed with me ever since Thursday morning uh, when I was part of this worship service. I've carried with me what their stories might be like, their hopes, their joys, their challenges, the things that they're facing and trying to navigate in this world. It was humbling to try and figure out how to speak a word of God in their midst. The two scripture passages of the day were from the Gospel of Mark and 1 John, but they centered on fear um, and how perfect love casts out fear and how when we center ourselves in God's love, we don't have to be so afraid. But I told them that I'm afraid a lot and that it's not that faith in God takes away all of our fears and we're able to love perfectly, but what faith can do is help us move through our fears. When we intentionally center ourselves in Christ, we can face whatever we're facing with love and bravery and even some boldness. Of course, this week I've also been reflecting on baptism. On the second Sunday in January, Christians all over the world, imagine that, just as we're sitting here, there are sanctuaries filled with Christians all over the world, also hearing the story of Jesus' baptism, practicing a ritual of remembering our own baptism. It's a powerful, powerful Sunday in the life of the church. And I think it's powerful for all of us. I think it's a powerful force to overcome our fears and center ourselves in Christ, whether we're six or 66 or 106. I think it helps us to be brave. I think it helps us to know who God is calling us to be. And I pray that the world our young people are living in and that we are shaping for and with them is one of hope and of bravery and of love, even and especially in the midst of fear. In our passage from Matthew that Amy just read for us, we meet Jesus down by the Jordan River. It's a time of new beginning and preparation in his life. He's yet to begin his public ministry. We have him as a baby in the Gospel of Matthew. And then we fast forward 30 years later. We don't know anything about that time period. And here he is down at the river with his cousin John. He hasn't healed a single sick person yet. He hasn't raised anybody from the dead or given food to the hungry. Nobody knows he can walk on water or multiply loaves and fish. Before he can engage in any acts of compassion and justice and mercy, before he can save anybody's life, he goes down to that river and he prays. Now it's filled with crowds because people are coming to John to baptize them in a spirit of repentance. They're waiting, they're hoping, they're expecting a Messiah. And this crowd thinks, hey, maybe this guy John that we heard about in Advent, this wild and woolly wilderness preacher, maybe he is the one that we have been waiting for. But John says, oh, no, no, one is coming that is greater than I. And Jesus says, baptize me. And John says, no, no, no. How could, I, how could I possibly do that? Jesus says, no, baptize me in this water. And just as Jesus is immersed in those waters of grace, the heavens open up. The Spirit of God, like a dove, descends down upon him, and he hears the words, you are my beloved son. 
With you, I am well pleased. These are the first words that Jesus hears as he enters his public ministry. He starts by centering himself in belovedness. This is what helps him be brave and strong and bold in his future ministry. In fact, the very next thing that happens is Jesus is driven into the wilderness, a place of fear and loneliness, of temptation. The devil says to him, come to me, forget you are God, I can give you more power. But because he was baptized before that, because he felt and knew that good news from God, that he was God's beloved son, belovedness became a strength and a shield that carried him through. When we are baptized into Christ, it's as if the heavens open up for us too. And a voice declares, you are my beloved child. With you, I am well pleased. In the United Methodist Church, we practice infant baptism. In the ritual of baptism, we name this good truth of belovedness for the very youngest among us. The parents covenant to raise their child in the faith, teaching him or her about this tangible acts of grace in the water. Then we as a community covenant to nurture this child in the faith. And the earliest words that a community of faith speaks over a child are, you are God's beloved. This starts their life journey. No matter what else they face or know or end up believing, this good news comes first. Baptism initiates us into the Christian story. It fundamentally changes our identity. And that receiving of the water, the anointing in the name of God, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, the person baptized is physically and spiritually marked as one whose identity is now a Christian whose primary identity is in Christ, whose primary identity as is beloved. As if these name tags now say, your name, beloved, after it. And as a community of Christians, every time that we celebrate a baptism in our midst, we commit to care for and teach and love the one being baptized. This ritual happens in community for a reason. We say, yes, yes, we will teach you all about the life and ministry of Jesus. Yes, we will be here with you when grief is too much to bear. Yes, we will stand with you if the world is telling you no. Yes, we will advocate on your behalf and hold you accountable to your belovedness. Yes, we will forgive you. Yes, we will ask you to forgive us. Yes, we will help you be brave and loving and bold. One of the things I said at Holy Innocence about how faith can help us through whatever feels scary is that we are the love of God for each other. And when we feel scared or alone, we got to share that with somebody else, reach out, let them be the love of God for us and not hold it together. That is the power of Christian community. And we start that right at baptism. Now, it's easy to celebrate baptisms occasionally in church. Remember that those precious infants are God's beloved. That's not a hard stretch, right, to know and name that truth. But sometimes we can forget this news the rest of the time. 
It's why Christians all over the world start off the year in January remembering our baptisms. Because it is easy to forget that we are God's beloved children every moment of every day. And it's really hard to remember that everybody else is God's beloved child, especially when they grow up and they're not so precious anymore. This is one of my favorite Sundays because it lets us remember this good news together. It's powerful to do it once a year. Some churches help folks remember that every week. They take the font, what holds the baptismal waters, and they place it at the entrance to the sanctuary uh, so that anytime anybody comes in, they can touch that water. They can remember their belovedness. They do it every week. I've been wondering this week what it might look like not to remember our baptism every year or every week, but what if we were able to remember this good news every single day of our lives? I wonder what the world might look like if every morning when we woke up before we did anything else, before we looked at our phones or made our coffee or poured cereal to whiny children, we took a moment to center ourselves and to know I am God's beloved child, and everybody I encounter today is also God's beloved child. Soon we're going to come forward, we're going to be able to touch the baptismal waters and remember our baptism, to let this good news wash over us, to swim in God's possibilities for us and for the world, to remember that nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. As you do so, I also invite you to come to the altar rail and take one of these blue stones that you'll find there. Hold it in your hand as a sign of your belovedness. And my hope is that each one of us will take one of these and put it somewhere that you see regularly. Maybe that's your pocket or your bedside table, your purse, your desk. Maybe it's wherever you keep your phone. So every time you touch your phone, you also have to touch this. But let it be a kind of tangible reminder for all of us that we are God's beloved and that everybody else we encounter that day is also God's beloved child. And just imagine how that might change us and change others and change the world. Because my hope and prayer for each of us, for those 1,500 young people at Holy Innocence, for young people all over the world, for everybody, is that we can hold this truth in our hand and in our hearts, and then reflect it in our actions, that we are able to face the wilderness together with bravery and love and boldness, empowered together to share in the ministry of Christ. May it be so. Thanks be to God. Amen. strength. We share this offering with you as a response to your powerful acts in our lives. We share our financial resources with you because of the ways you have blessed us. 
Your majestic spirit fills our lives like the mighty waters fill the ocean. All glory is given to you, Lord God, in your powerful name we pray. Amen. Now you're invited as we affirm our faith together uh, with the affirmation of faith found printed in your bulletin or on page 883 of your hymnal. We are not alone. We live in God's world. We believe in God who has created and is creating, who has come in Jesus, the word made flesh, to reconcile and make new, who works in us and others by the Spirit. We trust in God. We are called to be the church, to celebrate God's presence, to live with respect in creation, to love and serve others, to seek justice, and resist evil, to proclaim Jesus crucified and risen, our judge and our hope, in life, in death, in life beyond death. God is with us. We are not alone. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. God, you have made us your beloved. We give thanks for these waters. Let this good news permeate into our very souls, and may we share it with others. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sandy Springs United Methodist Church podcast. We hope that you have found our podcast helpful and hope to be in ministry not only to you, but with you. For more information about Sandy Springs United Methodist Church, please visit www.ssumc.org. Until next time, may God bless you.